to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fulick. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fulick. And today, like all days, we talk about something or anything related to business continuity management, disaster planning, emergency management, and everything uh, related topics. And as always, um, I would like anyone who has a, a topic they want to talk about or um, maybe I should uh, contact a specific person to get them on the show to talk about a, a specific uh, topic. Please send me an email at info at stone road.com and you know give me your suggestion and you know we'll see if we can find the person you're talking about or investigate the topic or even have yourself on the show and uh, talk about what it is you want to get. Uh, you know your ideas, your thoughts on on these topics out there to all of our listeners. Today I have two guests, and they are representatives of. Now let's uh, make sure I get the name right here: Mid Atlantic Disaster Recovery Association, or MADRA. And my guests are Dean Gallup and Curtis Bartell. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank Glad you, Glad to be here. Great. How about um, we start off? Uh, with uh, introducing yourself, Curtis, let's start with you. You know, can you give us a, a a kind of a bio, how you got where you are, and you know what you do in this uh, incredible industry that we're in? You know, sure, I'll uh, I'll keep it fairly brief. I spent uh, nearly twenty years uh, in the federal government in various emergency management, uh, counterterrorism, and risk management positions, and um, as well as the private sector. And those uh, positions covered the financial industry, the uh, the national security industry, the energy um, infrastructure, a very diverse um, uh, set of fields. But every one of them involved some level of risk and some level of resilience. And I find found that those all applied equally across all those industries. And um, as to how I became part of MADRA, um, I, I suspect I, I, I missed a meeting, so I got nominated to be the president, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it's been great. It's been a, a wonderful experience. I've been there for two years, and uh, it, it's a great organization. I look forward to talking about it in uh, in a little bit. Okay, great. Uh, Dean, how about yourself? Hi. Um, yes, I'm a MBCP, which is Master Business Continuity uh, Professional with uh, DRI. Uh, actually working for a consulting firm, uh, Advantage Solutions, out of Washington, D.C., primarily um, been working in state and federal government since I started working in 1983. Uh, started off in infrastructure, uh, running a data center in New York State, and then the last 12 years have been working in continuity of operations and business continuity planning for the federal government as a consultant. Uh, I've also been heavily involved in emergency management as a volunteer on both the fire side and the EMS side, and uh, primarily uh, have 
worked with several federal agencies at both DOD and in the civilian sector developing their continuity of operations plans, IT disaster recovery plans, and um, business continuity plans. Uh, I also probably missed a meeting or two, and I'm now the vice president of programming <laughs> for the for Madra, um, and have been doing that for two years, about the same time as Curtis has been president. Uh, and it's really been a, a great experience for me being able to work with uh, like-minded professionals in the national capital region. Well, great. Uh, a lesson to all the listeners out there, don't miss your meetings. Uh, so let, let's talk about Madra in this segment. You know, what is Madra? You know, where are you located? What are your goals? You know, what, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, and, uh, you know, do you have a, a way of being contacted? You know, let, let's talk about it. You know, what sure. is Madra? Um, so let me give a little bit of background of, of Madra. It's been in existence since 1989 and I'm, I think the fourth president in that time frame, and honored to have uh, some incredible uh, predecessors uh, that got all this started and sustained it for so long. Um, we are located in the Maryland, Virginia, D.C., Southern Pennsylvania, and Delaware regions, and in in there we have uh, over 500 contributors and and. Um, I guess donors were, were very cheap, as a matter of fact. I'll get to that in a little while. Um, but our goals, our goals are to, to be involved in uh, networking and discussions and um, developing relationships, professional relationships across the entire spectrum of the areas that you mentioned earlier, Alex, of business continuity, disaster recovery, continuity of operations, emergency management, um, even security, personnel security, uh, across the board of what I would put under the umbrella of resilience um, in general. And so in so doing, we provide five to six uh, luncheons every year. We do this over luncheons. We have several speakers. Dean is the, the point on finding those speakers and finding various venues across that geographic area. And we try to move it around so that we can meet as many of our constituents as possible. Um, we are 100% a volunteer organization. Um, we we make nothing out of this, and we uh, we just believe in what we're doing and in connecting people, connecting issues, and uh, uh, across the region and across a, a wide uh, breadth of disciplines that I just mentioned. We like mm -hmm. to hit government sector, finance sector, communications, transportation. It doesn't matter. We we believe everybody has a stake in some level of resilience. And in mm -hmm. so doing, we've also developed some some really solid um, internationally known partners. And uh, formally, we will work with Disaster Recovery Journal, Disaster Recovery International, Continuity Insights, and i uh International Consortium of Organizational Resilience. And in what I say, actually, when I kick off most of the meetings is I believe Madra is uh, a gateway to all of these other areas. If, if you like what you hear at Madra, you're really going to love these other places um, and be a member of those. So we like to serve our constituents and we like to serve our partners. So with the partners, how do you uh, interact with the with the partners? Like, are they guests or, or sponsors, or like, how do you interact with them? Uh, the short answer is yes. 
So they're they're always welcome. <laughs> um, we we actually work with them to post um, their events on our website. We mention them at our meetings, and uh, so one of the things, for example, is. Uh, we just posted out the uh, business continuity management. They have their um, their survey that they do every year, and we try to get the word out so that our constituents can be a part of that uh, survey in the areas of business continuity and disaster recovery. Um, so we have we actually have raffles at our luncheons where uh, attendees can throw their business card in a bowl, and we'll select uh, randomly select somebody to get a very reasonable discounted um, attendance at one of these big conferences that that these uh, partners have. And very worthwhile, and it's just a side benefit for folks that attend. Uh, And just just another thing, a couple other points on that, Alex. We have had speakers, uh, Coy Dombrowski, who is the uh, president and CEO of DRI International, was one of our speakers um, last year. Uh, and in fact, we've also had several joint um, uh, meetings with, like, Association of uh, Continuity Planners and, and Risk, which is information management uh, people, uh, to be able to get their disciplines in joining with our disciplines, so that um, we're, we're able to, you know, put that knowledge across the, the board. Uh, additionally, we have several discounts with uh, these organizations as well during their conferences. Uh, if you, there's a code that went out to Madra members that if you join DRI International, you got like a 40% discount. If you join DRJ, we, there were some discounts as well. So we, we try and are actively working with these different organizations to try and give our local, uh, you know, we're, we're the only chapter here. It's to give our local uh, membership uh, these opportunities at, at a national and global level. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that about uh, um, the, the speaker there, the DRI president. I was going to ask you, Dean, you know, what kind of speakers do you get and how do you get your speakers? Uh, well, everything is volunteer. Uh, with, you know, there's usually like a, a little Starbucks gift card or something, but that's about the extent of their, their payment. Uh, what we normally have been doing is we just go out and do a call for speakers. Uh, we find people who maybe have some new program that, that they want to promote or their agency that they want to promote, and they could either host. Normally what we do is if you're going to host a uh, one of our luncheons, uh, you're welcome to provide a speaker as well. Uh, again, the, the luncheons themselves, the, the agencies, uh, we will pay for food you know, for, for the lunch, although if, uh, if the host wants to provide uh, the lunch for us, uh, we, we've never turned that down either. But it's <laughs> really, yeah, we, we have a very, very low-budget uh, organization. It's um, one thing that Curtis had, had mentioned is, uh, unlike several organizations, our dues are $50 a year to be able wow. to be a member. And basically what that $50 does is a, it covers a $10 lunch for five meetings. So, you know, we're, we're basically working on a, on a very low budget. Our, our intent was to make everybody welcome, to not make uh, a fee or 
you know, some, some large fee uh, hindrance to being able to be part of this. Uh, you don't have to be a member even to uh, attend our luncheons. We, we ask that you are. And, um, but uh, we try and keep this very, very open. Uh, it's a lot of people within our membership who, who give presentations. So they may have some new, uh, uh, new process that they're developing. We had one last year where they're coming out with a new active shooter and uh, workplace security program. So they actually used us uh, to uh, help promote that uh, operation that they're putting together. Well, it sounds... Uh, oh, go ahead. If I could add on that, Alex, just a little bit. Um, so in addition, we collectively, the entire executive committee, and uh, we keep our eyes and ears open when we hear somebody that's got something new going on. And um, uh, For example, um, the, the head of, I'm sorry, the the lady that spoke, Dean, that you just mentioned. Yeah, Chloe. Chloe, sorry. The uh, sorry, Chloe, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> the she came in right after um, uh, a major accident and was able to to give us fresh information. It was it was the hot topic of the week, as a matter of fact, and and so we're looking at people that are involved in in key issues, hot button issues, or recent events. Um, to come in and be relevant. Um, further, one of the things we've tried to do is, is over the last two years, is be thematic. So as, as best we can, look downrange and say, this meeting's going to be about active shooter, this meeting's going to be about emergency management, this meeting's going to be about soft PT&E software uh, that might be out there. Just keep it thematic. And, um, and also, when one of the things that Madra does that that I think makes us a little bit different in the community, since we're not sponsored, we try to avoid um, being a platform for marketing. Mm-hmm. So we, we try to keep, you know, of course, if somebody's going to get in front of the room and speak and say, my name is Curtis Bartell and this is my company, that's your marketing right there. But we don't like people to be up there and say, this is what we sell. We just want experts, and we try to keep it very vanilla that way so that it's not a marketing campaign. And so far, everything I hear is, is how welcoming that is and, and kind of, uh, as Dean said, it's, it just opens the door to so many uh, new people. Well, that that's true. Um, I, I can speak from experience attending conferences and, you know, large ones and small ones, and finding out, you know, no, we're not a marketing platform, but yet you get representatives up there and all of a sudden they go through their spiel, but they won't give you, you know, the information you thought you would be hearing, you get a card saying, call me. And so it's a, kind of a marketing sales pitch. So it's really good to hear right. about Madra not doing that. And, and we're very purposeful in that. And, you know, even in this interview, neither of us have mentioned what our day jobs are and we're, we're here about Madra, and we believe in what Madra is doing, and and want to be true to its uh, to its core principle. Well, I think you guys must have uh, stolen my notes somewhere because I had a couple of questions, and you've answered them when I didn't even have to ask. You know about uh, thematic <laughs> meetings. You know if there was a theme, you know where you would focus on a topic, and you already addressed that. 
And uh, yeah. I was going to ask about, you know, um, like lessons learned type meetings. And you kind of addressed that with uh, um, Chloe, who was there giving you updated information. Right. So since we're, we're, we're talking about Madra, is there a website people can go to to get information and contact you guys? Yes, thank you. That's uh, www.madra, that's M-A-D-R-A dot org. We are a uh, um, charity organization or, or organization that you can contribute to, and um, that's, a, that's a full full tax exempt donation. It's a 501c3 organization, so all your donations, uh, you have that $50 membership is tax deductible. Uh, and and that's for for U.S. people only, or for anybody? Uh, I just we we are primarily around the national capital region. Those areas okay. that Curtis mentioned. But I mean, right. we would be open to anybody. But uh, our our five hundred one c three is really, I believe, for only United States citizens. Okay, for right. those paying taxes in the U.S. Okay, so the website again for our listeners, www.madra.org. And on that, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back and we'll start getting some thoughts on the resilience industry with Dean Gallup and Curtis Bartel of Madra. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. 
Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm Alex Fullett. Today we're talking with Dean Gallup and Curtis Bartell of Madra. And uh, Dean, before we went away, there was uh, something you wanted to add about the uh, the, the thematic theme uh, meetings that uh, Madra holds. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Uh, that's actually going to be Curtis talking about that a oh, little Curtis, bit. Oh, Curtis, I'm sorry. Curtis. No, no, no problem now, Alex. Um, so thematically, like as I mentioned earlier, we've been trying to to build on certain themes, and and there's there's a method to that madness. We we were uh, Dean and I, being new members of the of the uh, executive committee, were honored to be a part of our 100th meeting this past year, and that has been kind of an impetus for me personally to say, how can we make this better? We, we've done great to have 100 luncheons, 100 meetings, um, but how can we make this uh, go towards a certain goal? And by using all of these themes, one of the things that we have talked about is creating um, building blocks towards a resilience summit. And I know we're going to talk about resilience here in a little bit. And part of what that message is, is we can talk about emergency management or active shooter or business continuity or disaster recovery, what have you. All of those pieces and parts somehow are connected to risk management and risk assessment, which are all under the umbrella of creating a resilient organization, a resilient community, a resilient department, um, what have you, Um, even a resilient country, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of the goal. My my goal as the president to to steer us towards a one day, probably a summit, to pull all of this together with some really good speakers uh, somewhere down the road. I don't know if that's a year from now or what. Um, but but that's kind of been my my interest there from a resilience perspective, but also from the networking perspective. Just to re- go back a little bit to the earlier segment. Um, one of the things we're striving for is to connect with Madra uh, sisters around the country, if you will, if not around the world. Um, but be be a place where, uh, for example, we we are familiar with Nedrix in the Northeast. Um, we are familiar with CPAC and some other in, in the Carolinas and others. We would like to make a a more uh, make a loose network of madras around the the country so that we can all share information, share speakers, share best practices, and uh, and start getting the message out. So more from the uh, the actual practitioner professional level rather than you know an organizational level who do it as a as a pro, you know profession marketing uh, perspective. That, you know you've got real that, people there. You're absolutely correct. Uh, there's no. We, we just want to share, just share information. You know, none of us is is the smartest person out there, and and we all need to hear other stories. And and this is the way to share. Yeah, the more perspectives, the more ideas that you get. That you know, to use your own word, the more resilient you you can become. You know, you you can't become resilient with one point of view. You know, right. correct. Um, Dean, you had uh, something that uh, I wanted to touch base on too. You're a chair of a, a committee that's going to be providing some uh, valuable information in a couple of months. 
definitely, definitely. This is this is my plug, as it were. Uh, I am the chair of the uh, DRI International Glossary for Resiliency. Uh, it's going to actually change to become the Glossary for Resilience. Uh, back in t- 2014, uh, DRI International at their conference felt a need to be able to put together a glossary that took the best of breed terms and definitions of the entire business continuity and resilience community uh, through international standards, uh, different types of well-accepted regulations and and guidance documents, and put them all together so that business continuity and resilience uh, professionals could speak the same language. So if I was talking about a business impact analysis or a recovery time objective, you were talking the same, you had the same meaning that I had in my head. So what we did is rather than uh, define our own new set of terms, uh, we took uh, from 25 different organiz- or 25 different standards, regulations, and guidance documents, their glossaries and came up with terms that we felt were the best in breed and the most um, reasonable or, or common for those particular terms. Put that all together and develop this glossary for resilience. Uh, its first release was in uh, 2014, as I mentioned, and uh, came after uh, a lot of work with uh, Bobby Williams, who uh, at the time uh, was the, the first chair of this committee. And uh, it's been used throughout the industry as a uh, referee, if nothing else. Uh, it's been included in a lot of contracts, so that if you know this is what the contract defines this particular term as being. Um, and we are slated to come up. I became chairman uh, at our last conference in uh, 2017. Um, and we're working on a whole uh, major revision to come out at the DRI conference in February. Uh, the document itself is free. You don't even have to be a member of DRI International. Uh, but if you went to drii.org, uh, you do have to register uh, as a user on that site, which is free, free registration, and just go to the glossary section. The glossary uh, is available in four different languages, and we have subcommittees around the world who are, are continuing to work with that. Um, there's, uh, and, and just kind of give you some of the, the different standards, we use the, the DRJ, we use an Australian standard, Singapore standard, uh, Federal Continuity Directive uh, 1, uh, NIST guidance, um, uh, English standards, uh, so it's, it really is international flavor. I have, in fact, I have one of my team members lives in London uh, that, that I work with regularly. So we, uh, we're very proud of this document. It's one of two primary documents that DRI offers that in its professional practices. And just want to announce that we are coming out with a brand new uh, full revision, uh, likely uh, mid-February. Well, that's great. All those standards you mentioned, I've got here, and I know they all come with their own glossaries, too, so it would be great <laughs> right. to work with one set. So let's move on to now your perspectives, uh, both of you, Dean and, and Curtis. You know, business continuity, resiliency, 
disaster planning, it's evolved quite a bit over the years. You know, back in the 50s and 60s, it started off as disaster planning with banks, calling it, you know, their, with their mainframe uh, rebuilds, et cetera, you know, disaster planning. But it's so much more now, you know, taking into account different aspects, uh, security, information security. You know, what are your thoughts? You know, what, what has changed and where are we going? Uh, I, Dean, I'll take a take a stab sure. at the, the first sure. part of this. Um, so, it's it, interestingly one of the things that I think has changed and is evolving is is exactly what Dean was just saying. And I'd love to see the particular definition that you've used for resilience within that <laughs> uh, within your glossary, um, because I've seen so many different definitions of resilience out there. And that's one thing that's changing and evolving is mm-hmm. people's understanding of that. When when I was first getting involved in this, there was the buzz term, buzzword of uh, phrases, I guess, of, of mission assurance, and everybody wanted to assure missions. And that's kind of evolved into today's industry, I believe, of, of resilience, and one that is very um, minimally understood. And, and resilience is, is going to mean something different to everybody. And we have been looking um, in my day job um, and, and the community that I'm a part of and, and various clients really are looking at how, how can you predict what's going to happen if you can predict it? How can you plan for that? Well, you plan for it in terms of what do you know to be really, really important? If you're an industry, you've got to sell something. So you've got to be able to build that, provide it, and sell it. If you're a government agency or national security related, then you've got a different set of, of metrics. But you have to get there through through looking at how you can be so adaptable and so flexible to deal with anything anticipated or even un, unanticipated. Nobody's asking anybody to look through a, a crystal ball. But if you can do the basic things and you know what's really important and can continue to do what's really important, you're going to be able to do that even if something uh, sneaks up on you and surprises you um, in terms of a disruption. So I've seen just from a foundational perspective, the resilience um, uh, industry, it's becoming an industry, which is which is fascinating. And I, I'm, I think it's great. Um, it's being applied uh, to uh, even to financial um, investments. So, if, if certain, if you're going uh, to to invest in a certain company as a shareholder, um, there are opportunities to look at resilience of that particular company and whether they are effective or not. And if that's something that you want, you're willing to to. Uh, risk your investment on. So there's measures out there of of what resilience looks like, either at a foundational level or even scoring your own company or scoring your own department. And I think it's the the change, the fundamental change that people even know resilience, and it's it's part of the conversation, it's part of the discourse, it's part of, of federal policy, it's part of part of national discourse. That's how it's changed, and I think it's still evolving. Or, Dean, or uh, Dean, do you want to add to that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, 
you know, building on what Curtis says, uh, I was honored to be able to be part of the uh, team that put together a revision to uh, NIST uh, Special Publication 834, which is uh, information security planning for um, uh, federal IT, federal information systems, back in 2010. Uh, and one of the interesting things was that's only seven years ago. We had to basically had a, several long conversations on whether we want to include the term resilience in that guidance because it was such a new thing. You know, we it, resilience is one of those things that seems like it's been around forever. It's only really been around five to seven years in ter- as, a, as an accepted um, uh, methodology or, or philosophy. Mm-hmm. And it's really looking at, uh, so, you know, as, as Curtis says, it, it's been evolving in the federal government. It's been evolving in, in the industry. And what they're seeing is, you know, it used to be not too long ago, the things you had to worry about were, you know, the fires and the, the, the cave-ins and the electrical outages and those types of things. Uh, things like ransomware and, and data breaches and uh, these these other new phenomena that are occurring that are hurting businesses and hurting agencies are, are relatively new. And resilience is, is being able to adapt to these changes and to these new things, these assertions, these things that we know we we don't even know we don't know. Um, you know, we we may figure out a way to combat ransomware, we may figure out a way to stop data breaches, and then somebody else is going to come up with something different, uh, and there's going to be some new way to impact your business. So really, it becomes this, what can we do to protect your business no matter what, is, what happens to it? And that becomes the, the kind of driving philosophy behind what we do as an industry and, again, how we're becoming more accepted and uh, um, built into the mainstream. Uh, it used to be disaster recovery. People were, you know, well, we put this great system together. Let's get it installed. Oh, uh, DR guys, how do you want to back it up? Uh, and it's now becoming we're part of the planning process. We're part of the system development, uh, the whole system development life cycle, that says, all right, we're building this new system together. We're putting this new data out there. How can we protect it against anything that may, you know, what are all the different ways that people may try and get to this data and try and uh, uh, use it nefariously so that what what can we do to protect that? And that's looking up front. So it's building more into the culture of the um, organization, whereas we, we really were an afterthought and, just some uh, backroom part of the IT department for many years. And in some some cases, and I'm sure you probably have both encountered it, it still does become an afterthought. And at times, you know, if something needs to be cut back, what's the first thing that gets cut back? You know, right. business continuity, resilience, disaster planning, you know, or whatever you want to call it. You know, that's always the first thing. We'll, we'll delay that for a while. Right. And business you know, continuity I, I, I encounter it. Has always been thought of as an insurance policy, and yeah. uh, you know it's something that, or something that just has to be done. You know, Federal Continuity Directive One came out for the federal government, and so all the agents, oh well, we've got to put this coup plan together. Let's 
let's put something on paper and call it good. Yep. You know, and it's, and it's not taking it seriously. And, and one of the things is, is I personally, I've, I've sat before some very senior folks and, and used the insurance policy um, analogy. And for, for any one of us and probably most of your listeners, none of us really wants to overpay in our insurance for something that we really don't know is going to happen or not. So, so one of the um, evolving methodologies is, and, and um, ideals, I guess, in the resilience world is this is not an insurance policy. This is a prudent business practice, and it's, it's a management style. It's a cultural style of doing business with, with the, the best stewardship of your resources and, and the best interests of your stakeholders, your shareholders, your employees, um, your employees' families. If you're doing a good job in securing and, and making sure your business is resilient, think of all the trickle-down effects of, of the families, the employees, um, the, the stakeholders, shareholders, et cetera, um, that you're affecting. So this is not just an insurance policy. And, and I agree with Dean. You, we've moved beyond that, and it is, it's, it's really a, a fundamental business practice. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not just you know your mainframe goes down or an application goes down. It is so much bigger than that these days. And on yes, that note, is. we're going we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. We're talking with Dean Gallup and Curtis Bartell of Madra. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river. Like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You 
are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to the show. We're talking with Dean Gallup and Curtis Bartel of Madra. Um, in the last segment, Dean and, and Curtis, you had some great uh, comments about you know, resilience, uh, resiliency. Um, it got me thinking a, a couple of questions. One, I'm going to one. I'd like to talk about the role of the uh, business continuity or disaster uh, professional. In, in your opinion, what what does the role need to know these days? You know, it used to just be you know where you could get away with knowing how to rebuild or build a plan for a mainframe based on your your comments in the last segment with information security and resilience it seems so much more you know, what 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 are your thoughts on the role of a, a business continuity or disaster professional these days if if i could jump in on that as curtis um so one of the things i've seen is is that a business continuity professional has a really unique opportunity to be uh, knowledgeable about every business unit in an organization. And, you know, they don't need to be a subject matter expert in terms of um, knowing everything about IT or knowing everything about security or knowing everything about building whatever widget is that your, your organization does. What they do need to understand is that they have, they have provided a means to, to let all of the business organizations understand risks. And they need, they, they should be able to provide a singular lens of risk so that the operating officer, the chief financial officer, the security officer, the chief information officer, uh, on down, understand what the risks are to the organizations and they can prioritize how they view risk and how they can um, apply limited resources. Every organization has limited resources. And this is a way to prudently apply what resources you have towards priorities that are going to limit or mitigate risks. And, and that's the, the real role I see of a business continuity uh, professional. Dean, would you like to uh, it, chime in there? Sure. Uh, I really see... Uh, as Curtis mentioned, uh, business continuity and, and resilience is really a, a segment of risk management, and, uh, and I know it's an area that most businesses are, are trying to learn and, and know better, and this really becomes part of that. But I see, really see the business continuity manager as a facilitator and coordinator between all the different segments, IT, uh, organizations within a, uh, an agency or an organization don't always talk closely with the business continuity people, who don't really talk closely with the infrastructure people, who don't really talk, you know, the, the users. What this business continuity person does, you know, I was asked one time uh, for a, a, a job with a financial services agency, you know, what do you know about uh, mortgages and, and interest rates. I, I don't need to know that. I need to know what is important to you, and I need to know what's important to your different organizations in your groups, uh, what makes you run, and 
then I got to come up with what can we do in a coordinated effort to keep you running. So I don't need to know the particulars of, of really what you do. I just need to know what's important to you. And, and as Curtis mentioned, we we are uniquely quali- uh, in a position that we talk with several, uh, all the business units within an organization, and we talk with the facilities people, and we talk with the mm-hmm. IT department, and we talk with leadership, and we talk with staff, and we try and get that full picture of what's important and where we can put those precious resources uh, that you know everybody need has to be able to put it to the best use. You don't want to be doing full uh, redundancy systems uh, backups, you know, and very expensive backups and, and hot sites and stuff for systems that really don't have a big importance to your to your mission. You want to make sure you're putting those resources in the right way and you're right sizing. So we really do that coordination between all these different organizations and with outside organizations as well. You look at our outside emergency services, our outside, uh, you know, county emergency management offices. You know, we have to work with those people as well uh, to make sure that we're we're looking at the entire picture of of protection and, and risk management for an organization. I agree with you. I've, I've always looked at the, the BCM person as kind of being the bridge between all these different islands. You know, they, they kind of work alone, you know, and don't talk to a lot of each other. And we have to be the bridge to bring everyone together and understand at a higher level what's going on to, to be able to utilize the resources, as, as you said. In, in one of the things I would add uh, to, to what you just said, Alex, is that one of the most important things, if that individual is going to be the bridge and understand all the different islands and is going in between all the organizations, they have to have the, one of the most important things and, and best practices that's out there is they have to have senior leadership um, authority. They need to be um, appointed, if you will, have the rose pinned on them to say, this is what you're doing and tell everybody in the organization, this is this person's job. I have anointed them to go and do this for us. They have senior leadership um, buy-in and they are working at our, at our behest. And that is so important for this because as we all know, every organization suffers from some level of stovepiping or, or information, uh, holding it close to the vest. This is my division. This is my organization. I don't want to tell you anything. Why should I tell you this? This is, this is too hard. This takes a lot of time. Um, but that individual can only break down those barriers if, if everybody knows that they're reporting to leadership and they have leadership, um, buy-in and approval. And to stress on what Curtis was saying, I give a presentation several times a year on this, and the first thing I say is your first step is getting leadership approval and mm-hmm. active buy-in. Uh, these people, business continuity, for most of these people, business continuity and resilience is a other duties as r- required. Uh, they're very busy people. You know, they're all trying to do their job, and they really don't want somebody coming in necessarily to sit, to sit down with them for two days and pull their 
staff managers out of their operations to answer a bunch of questions and, and do some planning work. Uh, and without that executive leadership, you know, they, they're, they're just not going to be cooperative uh, to the extent that you need them to be. But with the, that executive leadership that, you know, you will work with these people and you, we need you to do this, um, it, it, it definitely helps. And they do see the benefit eventually, but it's like anything else. It's, uh, I, I really don't have time to do this. We got, we got other things, you know, we got these deadlines that we're hitting, et cetera. So, yeah, the executive leadership, uh, buying and approval, which isn't always an easy thing to get, is, is the key to starting any process or any program. Agreed. I, I've been in that situation uh, where I have had uh, executive leadership uh, uh, buy-in and uh, support, and I've been on the other side of that as well where there hasn't been any. And it's you know smooth sailing versus up a hill backwards. You know? <laughs> So the other question I have for uh, both of you in the remaining time we have is if we're talking about resilience and, you know, Alex Fullick is a company, what kind of things do I need to consider to be resilient? What, are, what kind of things are we talking about? It, I, I think it really comes down to protecting what is important to you uh, and you know, obviously defining what is important to you. I actually gave a presentation down in Roanoke, Virginia, uh, to the small business organizations uh, down there on uh, supply chain management, which, you know, if you're a private business, supply chain more often than not is one of your key uh, key deliverables and key parts of your, your business. So, you know, it really is looking at what's important to you and in doing what we can to reasonably protect it, you know, uh, anybody who's worked in risk management knows you're you're rarely going to be able to eliminate a risk. So, what can we do to mitigate it to the extent possible that's that's reasonable and, and effective? So, um, but it really comes down to finding out what's important and being able to protect it. Uh, as we had mentioned, you know, we're kind of moving from the brick-and-mortar world uh, of, of resilience into cybersecurity and cyber resilience, uh, you know, looking at uh, going beyond our all-hazards approach. We, we have ransomware. We have people. We have several uh, significant data breaches. We have, uh, uh, you know, viruses that are attacking systems and, and infiltrations. Uh, it's it's being able to manage that whole spectrum and and kind of everything that we can do uh, to protect what what we have. And Curtis, do you have anything to say on that? Yeah, just to amplify a little bit, I, I think the, the the most important thing is is knowing what's important. As as Dean said, you know, protecting what's important, but even the the the, the pre analysis and the review of, of really understanding what's important and making a decision. This is what's important to me. This is not so important to me. And I'm going to get to that next year, but this year I need to prioritize this. And I, I'm not going to define what this is for anybody because it's going to be different. Um, even in my own household, it's, it's going to be different than my next door neighbor as to what my priorities are. So I think that's absolutely critical for, for Alex Bullock, 
LLC. What is important to you? And then build around that, understand the risks to that, and and accept some level of risk um, as to how far you're willing to go to protect what is important to you. And that's an investment. That's a, maybe an emotional thing. It may be a personal thing. Um, but understanding that and applying some level of risk assessment to that, I think, is, is the cornerstone. I think one other, one other thing to just kind of note with this, Alex, is just that, that continued buy-in and active participation in protecting your destiny. Uh, it's, it's one thing to put together a plan. It's one thing to find out what's important. Uh, and then what you don't want is to have it up on a shelf sitting there for five years uh, and not think about it. Uh, this is something you, you basically, and what we hope that, uh, businesses start doing and, and continue doing as as we move forward in this dangerous world is that this is an ongoing effort. You know, what may be important to you this week may not be important to you next month. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that we have to continually take a look and, and actively monitor our health and our, what's working, what's not working, what do we have to change. So, you know, that may go, you know, that may involve uh, you know, some testing and maintenance and, and stuff, but it, it really involves you continually keeping that in the back of your mind that, oh, I, I got something else coming out here. How can I protect this? You know, I have a new line of something coming out. How can I protect that? Uh, our, our, we've, we've just established a major contract and we have to sell, we're, we're now selling uh, 10,000 widgets instead of 1,000 widgets. This is now a major part of our firm. How do we protect it? And in continually reevaluating what's important to you, and like uh, I, I forget which uh, which one of you said it, but also you know protecting what you do, but then all the related pieces to it, like the the employees and you know their families. Mm-hmm. You know if that goes away, they, you know there is a, um, a a greater impact than just you know the widgets, the creation of the widgets. Right. right. And definitely, the first thing that we say. You know, if something happens, the first thing you got to do is, is figure out your employees are your biggest asset. No, no, uh, you know, no matter what you do or how you do it, if if you don't have your staff helping you, uh, and if they're worried about their families or if they're uh, injured or, or unable to perform, uh, you're not going to be able to affect any kind of uh, recovery effort. So uh, there's ways that you can. Uh, continually protect your employees and work with your employees, uh, you know, and protect their families uh, and make sure that they're safe during a large-scale events. So a um, number of resources available uh, in, in the federal government and private industry on, on being able to protect your employees. That's, that's key to any business. And they're a, re- a valuable resource as well, you know, to leverage. So, oh, definitely. You know. Definitely. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, an employee who knows that their family is safe and that has a vested interest in your in the success of your uh, recovery is going to be a lot more uh, a lot more effective in getting you up and operational again. And that's a perfect spot to end. We've run out of time. You know, uh, I'd like to thank uh, Curtis Bartell and Dean Gallup, President and Vice President, respectively, of the Mid Atlantic uh, Disaster Recovery Association, MADRA. Um, 
uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for your insight and uh, your your discussion here on resiliency and business continuity. I greatly appreciate having you on the phone. Thank you, Alex. Thank you very much, Alex. And for our listeners, if there's any other information you'd like to learn more about Madra, please go to their website, www.madra.org. That's M-A-D-R-A.org. And again, if there are any other topics you'd like us to uh, touch base on on the show here or a guest, feel free to send me an email either through voiceamerica.com or to, to my uh, email info at stone-road.com. And we'll see about getting your subject addressed. And thanks again, uh, Dean and Curtis. And to everybody out there, stay prepared, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.